The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. I'm a physician trained in Britain, as I'm sure you can tell from my accent. I worked for many years in Canada and also with various colleagues in the U.S. I'm now retired from practice and working in research and development for healthcare. I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports for healthcare right across the world right now. In fact, the healthcare systems of U.S. of the U.S. and Canada rely on the unpaid help of family caregivers. And family caregivers, who are they? They are the people who provide care to family members suffering health challenges. Now, here I'm going to confess confess something. I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our two guests are Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway, both from Homestead Senior Care, the largest senior care business of its kind in the world. It has a network of more than 800 franchise offices in North America, Europe, and elsewhere. Paul, with Laurie Hogan, is co-founder of the Home Instead organization. It's headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of the recent book, Stages of Senior Care, published by McGraw-Hill. In 2006, he was named the Entrepreneur of the Year by the International Franchise Association. In May 2008, Paul and Laurie's success in exporting their home care business model was recognized at a White House ceremony where they received the E Award of the U.S. Department of Commerce. This is one of the highest honors the federal government presents for significant contributions to American exports. In 2008, Paul and Laurie became anchor donors for the Home Instead Center for Successful Aging at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. This new center's mission is to find solutions with the potential to touch the lives of seniors around the world to help them age more successfully. Sharon, Sharon owns the Home Instead Senior Care Office in North Toronto, Ontario. She, where, there's where she fulfills her personal commitment to seniors' independence and successful aging at home. Sharon's a registered nurse with a Bachelor of Science degree. She's over 30 years' experience in healthcare, education, and training. 
She advocated for seniors when she was a regional consultant for Ontario's strategy to combat elder abuse, and she's worked as a home care manager. Through all this work in her community with seniors, she recognized the need for new models of care to help seniors to maintain their independence and to age successfully at home. Because Home Instead Senior Care's model of care and its principles and values so closely align with her own, she decided to have her own Home Instead Senior Care office. Doing this, she knew, would ensure that care with compassion would remain an integral part of her life. So, welcome to the show, Paul and Sharon. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start with Paul, and let's get into your book. Your book is titled Stages of Senior Care. Paul, please, what are these stages, and how do they relate to family caregivers? Well, as, as we all do, uh, Gordon, we all progress through stages in our life, and it's no different for seniors. Uh, seniors progress through uh, 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 there's a progression of needs. Uh, uh, there are, this is the stage where we're very independent and we're, you know, like you see in the TV commercials about retirement, we're driving the convertible T-Bird, drinking Insure, playing golf, and then there's the stage where we just need a little help. Uh, maybe we're just a bit more frail, uh, you want to, there, there, there's time when you need to mitigate, you know, uh, risks that, that you have uh, physically. I mean, you shouldn't be up on a step stool changing a ladder at some point, you know, changing a light bulb at some point or taking the trash out to the curb on an icy day. Uh, need a little bit of help there. Then there are stages where we progress to even more help. And for each of these stages, there are different options that we have uh, as uh, seniors uh, now. It's it's not like it was, you know, 20 years ago when we began Home Instead Senior Care, actually 15 years ago, in the early 90s. Uh, back then, uh, and we saw it with my own grandmother. I mean, it was when, when Grandma wasn't, was in need, it was either going to be our home or the nursing home. It was really only two options. Now, there are a whole host of options that have proliferated over the past 15 years from uh, ways we can engage in our communities through senior centers to ways that we can engage services that come into our home, both non-medical and medical. Just about every medical problem today can be handled in the home and sometimes better than a facility. Uh, there are uh, options for us to choose if we want to leave our home. There are, uh, uh, from, from all different types of retirement communities, some that are independent living, some that are assisted living uh, <clears throat> communities, some specialize in dementia care, some specialize in, in uh, uh, other types of, uh, uh, you know, physical challenges that seniors have, uh, and some are very basic in nature and some are very luxurious. And, and, there, uh, and then there is still this traditional skilled nursing home and even hospice care today. So there's a variety of options that uh, exist, but the challenge here is that it is why we, why we wrote the book stages of senior care is that the majority of people, uh, seniors and adult children, are simply unaware of the options they have. They don't know how much they cost. They don't know who pays for them. And um, nobody's doing much planning for senior care. So uh, our hope is that the book will fill this vacuum of information that exists out there today and help families make more informed decisions. 
Where does the family caregiver fit into the decision-making process that you've just described? Well, so often the family, uh, the family caregiver fits into the process too late. <laughs> we see this absolutely every day, Gordon, where, you know, five days ago, Dad was fine. He was on the golf course with his buddies, but three days ago he had a stroke, and now he's incapacitated, and here's an adult family caregiver, the adult child, sitting there with us, steeped in anguish, because he's now guessing at what his father would prefer. They never talked about this. So this is a situation that was coming up far too often, and I know Sharon's encountered this locally, I'm sure, uh, that we wanted to help alleviate that uh, situation for for as many families as possible. So that's why the book of Stages of Senior Care encourages the communication, the conversation to happen sooner, gives the reader tools and um, and tips on how to get that conversation started. Great. Sharon, tell us first about the services you provide and how these relate to the stages described by Paul and how these fit with the responsibilities of family caregivers. Yes, I'd like to say that every day beyond the value in stages of senior care, which is going to be invaluable, we also continue to explore ways to inform and educate our family caregivers. We are constantly at Home Instead Senior Care doing research with family caregivers, surveying their needs, and then coming up with responses to assist them in many ways from having information that will help them make clear decisions about the stages they need to make and the decisions they need to make, from nutrition on safety and intergenerational living as well. So we begin to uh, focus on the definite needs that have come out of the research, and it's truly a public education campaign. But beyond that, every day in my office, when I pick up the phone to handle a service inquiry, that is when I begin to enter the world of a caregiver or a senior or a family member. I listen, I support, and I, at that point, try to give them help in navigating the system that we have here in Ontario. And at that time, if I find that I can be of some help to them, I will offer a free home assessment and safety check Oftentimes, from that point, we begin to provide care, a little bit of care in the early stages of dementia to 24 hours of care for someone who is in the palliative stages of care and wishes to die at home. So we continue to provide support wherever that may be, and as Paul has recognized, we are often in those transitions in providing care, and we can shift and change to meet the needs of that family caregiver by finding other resources, problem solving, and beginning to um, determine if the non-medical home care that we provide can be a complement to some of the other care that is provided through our healthcare system. And many times we're able to keep a person at home for much longer with the family support, with educating them, and providing that respite care along the way. You mentioned intergenerational living. 
What, what do you mean by that, first of all? And what sort of challenges does that produce for family caregivers? Well, we noticed that um, in our research that there was beginning to indicate a trend that was happening that because of the economic downturn, that perhaps seniors were going to have to move in and live with their, their children for a while, or vice versa, that a son uh, would move in with his mother to help uh, defray the cost and to provide the care uh, to eliminate that move out of the home into perhaps a different level of care that they may not be able to afford. And through our research, we've been able to offer them some tips for both of them to look at, is this a good idea? And actually, we have a website, uh, makewayformom.com, that actually will tell the family how much that will cost if they decide on that type of living. That's a very interesting um, basic attitude, and that is a sort of negotiation that's going on between the generations. Is that right? Yes, I think so. And with uh, all of the work that we do, we recognize that the communication between adult children and their parents is where it all needs to start, and the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, we've, we're heading now for a short break, and um, I want to just repeat again that this is um, a very important organization talking about the, the context of family caregiving relative to organizations providing services. My um, two guests are Home Instead Senior Care's Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. And please stay tuned because we're going to be back. Thank you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. There are all kinds of questions pertaining to health and wellness. What most people don't realize is that there are a lot of treatments that they can do themselves. Tune in to For Your Health with Dr. Mark Larson to discover these treatments and the answers to many of your questions about health. Topics covered will run the gamut from alternative medicine to the science of modern medicine. So be sure to tune in every week. For Your Health airs live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Home Instead Senior Care's Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. Now, my next question, which I'm going to give to both of them, is who typically are family caregivers and what are the challenges they face in family caregiving? Sharon, please, first. We know that from the research and just uh, working with clients every day that women are still providing the largest percentage of the role of caregiving in the home. It is daughters and wives and daughters-in-laws. And we know that as we live longer and life expectancy grows that we'll probably spend as much time caring for our loved ones as we have for our children. We also notice that older women, I see that too in the calls that I get, are often serial caregivers. And if they've been the caregiver and become ill, they tend to go home to become the caregiver again. And they will be caring for not only their spouse at that time, but perhaps a mother or an aunt. And we also see, I'm glad to say, that there is a trend that more and more sons are involved in the care, often single sons, and we have calls from them all the time. I also recognize with the people that I deal with day to day that we are seeing evolution of the family and that the family really has changed in its complexion and that it includes neighbors and friends because sometimes they are the family. And we know that family care, being a caregiver, can be, on average, a a three-and-a-half-year journey. The challenge I find that I I, uh, struggle with all the time, uh, having been a serial caregiver as well, is the balance between work, family, and the care that is provided. We already add this to a full responsibility and a full life. We don't have training. There's sometimes no advanced warning as Paul said about the gentleman on that golf course. And some of us, we know, don't have the caregiver gene. We need to know, as Paul has said, what services are available and what supports we can draw on at every stage along the way. And that is why I find Stages of Senior Care such an excellent resource to me in my work and to the families that I serve. Paul, let me put the question to you. Typically, well, the family caregivers are, and what are the challenges you see them facing? Yeah, Sharon really did a nice job laying out who the family caregiver is, typically female, 45 to 64 years old, uh, and uh, typically a daughter. But I think the biggest challenge, based on what we've seen and experienced, is, again, uh, uh, the family caregiver isn't aware of all the different options that are available. In our studies uh, research, we, you know, there's clearly nine different options, and those are just the major categories with subcategories beneath each uh, that stages of senior care lays out very thoroughly. But uh, when we asked our uh, uh, re, um, study participants how many options they could name off the top of their head, they could only name two. And one was a nursing home, the other was assisted living facility. So 
this lack of awareness for all the different resources and options available really uh, creates a situation where it's going to be hard for a family caregiver to restore any kind of balance in their life. Um, they don't know, again, also what the costs are or who pays. Uh, there's a big assumption uh, that goes on by the majority of people that think the government, a government program is going to pay for their senior care and uh, that personal savings uh, and pensions of their folks, uh, their loved ones, will cover the cost of senior care. And, and what we, what the, the truth and the reality of the matter is families are financially unprepared. Uh, two-thirds of uh, families, at least in the U.S., have assets of less than 75000 41% have assets of less than 20000 And then when it comes to their income, 75, three out of four uh, have an income of less than 36000 With in 40% have less than 12000 income. So that's not going to go very far. So when you have a situation like that where, where a family's going into this uh, huge need for senior care underfunded, you might think that somebody would want to put together a plan. But here's the reality there is that 73% of adult children date They've neither planned or even thought about care for their parents, and only about half of seniors themselves have uh, done any planning for seniors uh, for senior care. Well, and that's so a pretty, pretty is, alarming uh, list that you brought out. Could you say which you see as the three most challenging uh, of those lists, of those items on the list? And what are your views on the solutions, how people, family, caregivers, should be supported in those kinds of situations? Well, I think from the, the, say, like the top three challenges, Gordon, would be communications. Um, see, one of the big problems that, that exists with communication is that, uh, and, well, we know this for, for a fact, that one-third of all baby boomers still think their parents view them as a child. And that's 25 million people. <laughs> and when you have this parent-child uh, relationship, that is a barrier to communication. And when you want to communicate about sensitive topics that involve independence, like should you, you know, it's time to, for you to talk to your mom about is it time to leave the home, to leave her home? Uh, and Or is it, you know, when it becomes time to talk about the car keys and should you continue to drive? I know there's been some... Uh, articles in Canada lately about, you know, accidents with seniors and, and, and so on. Uh, and, or, or when it comes time to talk about, you know, help getting, you know, hey, mom, can I help you a little bit with your medications because things are just really a mess here and I don't know how you keep track of it. I mean, there are certain positive, constructive ways to bring up those conversations and that's what the 4070 program that we provided does. And 4070 means when you're about 40 and your parent is about 70, those are the ages you to start having conversations uh, about these sensitive topics so that it doesn't become too late for you after a stroke or after dementia set in. Right. Uh, so the 4070talk.com can even show you videos on how to bring up these sensitive topics. And, and, and so it's a very helpful tool to stages of senior care points you in that direction. A um, couple other challenges I think 
we've alluded to it earlier, that caregivers tend to want to fly solo. 43% try to do everything themselves. Uh, and then another one is, as I've talked about, is they're, they're more reactive than proactive. Not enough planning's going on. Right. Sharon, how do you see things? Uh, you know, if I can just make a slightly political point, we in Canada see ourselves as something of a kind of welfare-oriented state. Um, how, what are the top three uh, challenges for family caregivers in Canada, and how are they supported, or how should they be supported? I think that in Canada, exactly, we have universal health care, and we've led to believe that we have services from cradle to grave, and it's really a sad time when a senior in their 80s for the first time ever is in need of care outside of the family, and they think that the government will provide it fully. So we have to become very adept at being able to work and complement the care that is out there for our seniors. And that's one area that is a challenge. How do they know and how do they find those supports? How do they know if they're a veteran that they can tap into the veterans for extra care? And how do they know that perhaps their insurance policies will provide some extra care as well? And very, very few people know when they are providing care for someone with dementia, that there are respite services available and how to access those. So I think not knowing how to access care and the barriers to care and believing that care is free here in Canada. Um, so indeed, the challenge is really telling the, the, the story, getting the story out there that we really have to provide a mix of care in Canada for our seniors and that great generation. Sharon, so that raises the point of, well, who does pay for I think that is very variable. Uh, the cost of care uh, is done in, I think it's in financial terms, it's in uh, caregivers becoming ill, and it's, it's also in the emotional overload that they feel. But I think that when families are informed, at first it's a shock, but then I believe that with education and information and the, the supports that they need to find the care, and we want trusted care, that's what Home Instead Senior Care is, trusted care, that we can then help them, and there is a cost involved. Our cost for companionship care is $20 an hour, but we can top that up with a little bit of the care that the government provides to keep a senior at home for quite some time until uh, their health deteriorates. Right. Paul, cost, who pays? Well, our services are primarily uh, private pay. Uh, the family pays in 90-plus percent of the situations. Now, it, we have uh, Medicaid that will pay uh, for uh, uh, a certain amount of care for those that are financially distraught and chronically ill uh, and so uh, at least for our particular option now we're just one option of the whole care continuum and I think what families will learn is there there are a lot of resources in their local community that will be very cost-effective for them to get involved with uh, 
organizations that run senior centers. There are 15,000 of them in the U.S., and I'm sure several thousand in Canada that, that, you know, so every neighborhood you can find a senior center typically. There are adult care facilities, or excuse me, adult daycare uh, centers where where they serve seniors that are a little bit more frail or might have a little bit of dementia uh, 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 challenged. And then, you know, there there's a step that I think a lot of families overlook and uh, is their own personal resources within their family. Like I say, the, so many, 43% of caregivers fly solo, and they don't even think to ask their, their brothers and their sisters uh, for what they can do to help in the situation. If they're not local, maybe it's a little bit financial. You know, uh, that's a very key point, because you've touched on that in, in various ways before. Um, just say a little bit more about, about that particular point. Well, and there's also your, your community, your neighbors, the folks at your church. Uh, I mean, how, how long did your mother or father watch the neighbor's dog when they went on vacation over the years? I mean, isn't it time to maybe ask for a little bit of help in that regard? Yeah. Uh, so if a, if a family caregiver took a full inventory of all the resources they may have at their disposal, they may find out they can get quite a long ways before they have to incur any real expenses. Right. Very good. Now, it is time that time again when we have to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Home Instead Senior Care's Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, and please don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Many of us try to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but there is just so much going on in our lives. Food allergies, picky eaters, tight schedules, and the like. We also have so much to think about. Weight management, disease prevention, eating psychology, and creating a healthy meal in minutes. Listen for Nutrition Matters and let Roxanne Moore step in to save you from the overwhelming sea of nutrition information. Roxanne will share success tips to keep you winning with over 15 years as a registered dietitian. Listen for Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Home Instead Senior Care's Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. Now, I wonder, does there come a time when the family caregiver isn't 
any longer able to cope with all that family caregiving requires. If that is the case, when is that time and what are the things that bring it on? Sharon, what, what do you think about that? I'm sure this will sound uh, very familiar coming with a nursing background, but every day we have to, to look at that risk involved. And I'm going to tell my own personal story. But first off, when families can no longer cope, the care is often too heavy. Uh, it may, for instance, require two persons to transfer that individual. Uh, they may have, res- re, you know, used up all of their resources and they've been exhausted. They may require some kind of specialized care, even though, as Paul has mentioned, we can turn a, a home into a hospital in many ways and have medical care. But sometimes there's such specialized care that that can no longer ha- happen. And I often find when symptom can, symptoms are out of control, such as pain, and that it can't be contained, that that could sometimes require a new uh, look at what kind of care could be used. And as we know, we always have to have a backup care plan when we're uh, family caregivers. For me, I I wanted to tell the story about my father. Sometimes we really can't see that a crisis is coming and that we're going to need to mobilize and, and there's a call for action. There's often warning signs. With my dad, my mother, who was a diabetic, an insulin-dependent diabetic, uh, quickly began to have uncontrolled diabetes with blood sugars that would put her into a coma. And we recognized that it happened suddenly, but truly the stress of the caregiving over time had really pushed her over uh, into that unsafe category. And so at that time, we as a family, even though we had added care, we were participating in the care, family and friends were supportive, and we had brought in all the extra care that we could, it was no longer an option for my mother to be the primary caregiver. And at that time, my father had to be moved to a long-term care facility. And that was uh, inevitable. And at that time, it was the best thing that we could have done. So I think it's always an individual situation, and we need to be able to work with families and help them recognize when the warning signs are there. Paul, you've had personal family experience of this, perhaps not of the the same sort of situation, but uh, a situation. Please talk to us about that and also say what you think the signs are that, or the, that the time has arrived when the family caregiver is no longer able to cope? Well, we've, there's certainly a very um, sort of highly skilled needs that some, uh, many clients will uh, develop a need for, uh, you know, skilled, skilled personnel to meet those needs. However, there are very uh, there are so many that it, it it's not so much that the caregiver is no longer able to cope it's that the caregiver is no longer able to cope with uh, the type of care being received at the certain level of, uh, at the certain stage that the seniors in and see uh, every six to nine months. Things change for seniors. When you're up 
75 plus years of age. That's why sort of a, the reevaluation of what is most appropriate care at this time is so important. Uh, the situation is always changing, it seems like. And if the caregiver is well-informed about what signs to look for when the next level of care is starting to present itself, then decisions can be made that will help that caregiver cope longer uh, in terms of how they're coping mentally, physically, uh, and in their relationships with the other loved ones in their family. I know for, for my own grandmother, who happened to inspire the, the start of Homestead Senior Care, uh, we started uh, noticing that she was no longer able to remain in her home, uh, in her own home. And that created a lot of anguish and ill feeling in our family. And, and so I would, have, I would say that as a family, we weren't coping with this very well. So a change needed to happen. My mom and her siblings brought my mother, my grandmother, into our home, uh, my mother's home, and uh, they all chipped in to help her feel more, you know, be more comfortable in what looked like it would might be her last year of life. She was so ill she couldn't even get out of her chair, so weak and so on. And but that one year after everybody chipped in to help out and keep her comfortable, that one year turned into eleven. She regained her will to live. She uh, her, you know, she started eating uh, well. I mean, it's not. It's one thing to provide a meal for a senior, but it's another thing to encourage them to eat that meal, and that's where nutrition happens and strength comes back. And so um, we saw firsthand. You didn't have to be a doctor or a nurse to make a big difference in someone's life, particularly a senior. But that move in itself helped our family and my mother. She was the primary family caregiver. Helped her to cope with the next stage of care that my grandmother was going through, and my grandmother uh, and my mother coped very well together until my grandmother was nearly 101, and she died in her own bedroom uh, with the love and care of family all around, and she had hospice care at that time. So, just a, just a quick point though about families: um, who who should be the one if there is a a single person to do it, looking out for these warning signs that there's a time coming, there's a transition on its way. Where does that responsibility lie, do you think? Well, I think it's important for a family caregiver who, who may be uh, alone or be a, maybe a single child or the only one engaged with care. Now, my grandmother was blessed. She had 12 children and 50 grandchildren and 51 greats, but not every family is like that. The, the family caregiver should be uh, in, in interacting with with uh, uh, your you know the the seniors physician. A geriatric care manager is a good option to consult with uh, to help uh, to get a, a outside opinion of whether um, this is a good situation uh, or not. Yeah. Sharon, uh, again the same question, who should look out for these warning signs, but also, please, what actually do you do to assist family caregivers with these, what I'm going to call, stages and transitions? At this time, communication, again, is the key. We here at Homestead Senior Care build a strong bond 
with the family right from the very first visit. We go into the home and we begin that relationship. And then, of course, when we assist with their care, our caregivers and our care plan are always changing. And so the communication between the caregiver and the office and the family caregiver are extremely important as we continue to look at and solve problems as the level of care changes. We need to problem solve all the time and we have to be astute. That means that we have to have a lot of supervision and support to the family caregiver. We need to bring in services, as Paul has said, when we need those expert opinions. It's marvelous if we can find a doctor, especially with the very old, who wish to remain at home. As Paul has said, I'm thinking of one of our clients who we were the family, and her advanced directive was that she remain at home to her last day. And with that advanced directive and becoming her family, we had to continually uh, manage more difficult care as she became uh, more ill. Sharon, I'm just going to interrupt with a question. What's an advanced directive? That is the wishes of the client who, with their power of attorney, have laid that out. In this case, it was that I do not want to go to hospital and I want to remain in my home until I die. And that was the wish. And with that, and having a family doctor who would do home visits and expert care, she was comfortable till her 99th birthday at home. So what we are looking at then is the point that perhaps with these transitions and the support of the kind that you've both been talking about, um, it isn't inevitable that family caregiving has to end but it certainly has to change, and there is always a possibility that a transition may take place which really removes, in a way, the family caregiver from the direct care and perhaps creates um, care from other sources. But still, and this is really my quick question to you, you would agree, would you, that as long as the family caregiver remains able to provide care, wherever the care is being provided, the family caregiver should be closely involved. Is that right? First of all, Sharon and then Paul. Absolutely. Uh, we have to make choices and decisions have to be made, but it's truly the family caregiver who directs the care and we support their care decisions. Paul, oh, what, what's yes. your reaction to that? Yes. The, the number one reason family caregivers uh, get involved is because they, because of the love for their uh, their mother or father, and that they want to see that they get the best care possible, and there comes a time where they have to recognize that uh, they're doing this out of love. Still, yes, but they're not capable at this stage to do everything themselves, and uh, that that only comes. You can only realize it if you're very involved. So it becomes a team effort, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right. Now, it's a wonderful experience. Great. Again, it's that time once more when we do have to take a short break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Averley. My guests are Home Instead Senior Care's Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, and please don't go away. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Tune into a program that's all about empowerment and human potential. It's all about navigating your life. In fact, that is the name of the program. Tune in every Monday morning for the Navigating Your Life show with host Dr. Nathaniel J. Williams. Each week we'll discuss a range of topics to help you with the challenges facing us every day. The information given can be implemented immediately and may change your life forever. The Navigating Your Life show is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Home Instead Senior Cares, Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway. Now, um, it's, it's election season, and I want you to see our two guests, I'm talking to the listeners now, as a person's who are up for office, um, and the office they're up for is on behalf of the government to oversee the development of services for family caregivers. And what you, the listeners, and I, that is to say the voters, want to know are what are the things that uh, you would propose and why. Now, first of all, Sharon. I am living this reality at the moment. I am a member of our Ontario Caregiver Coalition, which is working to advocate with our government to develop a strategy for caregivers. So it's a great uh, question for me to answer. I would love to continue to work with the government and with businesses. I feel we represent a great opportunity to champion family caregivers and to make changes in the workplace and to provide continued education and support, such as the stages of senior care, and to continue to focus on that education with working at a national level with a national caregiver strategy as well. To continue providing, in Ontario, we have an aging at home strategy, which really has allowed for innovation uh, and to really believe, as most people now know, that most seniors want to stay at home as long as possible and to honor that. Considerable research has already been done on the stresses of family caregiving, and I, I must say that Home Instead Senior Care has led the way in groundbreaking research. We need to now act on it 
We know what we need to do. And I've heard Paul, I know we know what we're doing. We need more respite care, and we need more funding for that respite care. So family caregivers can stay involved in providing the care and doing it out of love and for the right reasons and promoting uh, that uh, ability to provide care to their loved ones with reducing that burden of care on the family caregiver. We need in the workplace and with the government to have innovation such as caregiver allowances and providing tax credits so that there is some value that we recognize that there is a burden, a financial burden on many caregivers. Caregiver education is such an important issue and I know that in the UK and in Australia, the governments have provided funding to ensure that caregivers, when they're providing families who have uh, persons with dementia at home, the proper education so that they can continue to provide excellent care. I think the area of social networking and in technology that we need to invest uh, more attention and to find champions in business, as Paul Hogan uh, and again, to adapt our workplaces and our communities to be senior friendly. One quick uh, question. What's respite care, Sharon? Respite care is care to allow the family caregiver to take a break, a break from the caregiving, and that would be having a formal or paid caregiver, perhaps. It could be someone from the church as well, or a neighbor, but most likely a paid caregiver, to come and spend some time so that family caregiver can have a true break from Got the it. care. Got it. Good one. Paul, what's your platform for election? Well, I think it would be a powerful platform, certainly. I mean, 85 to 90 percent of seniors, it doesn't matter which study that you look at, AARP's, MetLife's, uh, our own at Home Instead Senior Care, uh, 85 to 90 percent of seniors want to stay at home. So I, I think I, one of the, some of the low-hanging fruit for government is, is first of all, a public education program. I mean, when when we wanted to curtail drug use among young children, we had a just say to no drugs campaign, uh, and it and it has been effective. Uh, when it, when we have a public education program for uh, all the uh, for the need for planning for senior care, I think it will help alleviate the future uh, challenge that, well, the current and future challenge uh, that we're going to have as, as, as one year from now, at least in the U.S., uh, 8,000 people a day start turning 65. I think the other thing is um, we, we would really benefit from, uh, I would propose, you know, incentives uh, for families to, to help them uh, cover the cost of keeping their loved one at home, uh, tax incentives for the purchase of long-term care insurance, which would shift it from a government obligation to a private, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the uh, obligation for the cost of senior care. There are so many uh, uh, new uh, long-term care insurance policies available today that weren't available 10 years ago that meet so many of the needs to help seniors stay at home. I, I would end the bias toward institutional care, uh, federal funding of institutional care. I mean, the Center for Medicaid and Medicare uh, here in the U.S. spends three times 
uh, on nursing homes what they do on home health care. And I think uh, uh, there, there's quite a bit to indicate that home care uh, is more cost-effective, yet the government spends three times more on nursing homes. Now, that's nursing homes are, are skilled nursing homes are very useful, but we need to minimize the situations where people are placed in there prematurely. See, I think there's a lot of fear that's related to aging, and, and a lot of this fear is, is rooted in the idea that someday they're going to put me away in a nursing home or warehouse me. So we could reduce that fear through education and public policy that reflects more of what people want. I mean, if 85 to 90 percent of seniors want to stay in their own home, well, if there's a government policy that is more promising for them so that they could, there is the prospect the real prospect for them to stay at home, they might be willing to reach down deep in their pockets a little further and pay just a little bit more taxes for it. But if you tell me I've got to pay higher taxes and you're going to keep the same old vision out there of going to institutionalize me, I'm not, I don't want to pay tax, more taxes for that. So that's why I say replace the public policy with something that reflects what people want. I think we have a terrible shortage in uh, uh, professional caregivers such as primary care docs, geriatricians, I think low-interest college loans for geri- those that want to study geriatrics. I think tax credits for, uh, you know, for new young doctors that, and nurses that practice in underserved rural areas would be something that's very helpful. So these are just some of the ideas that, that uh, I would try to bring to fruition if so I was in that position. Great stuff. Now, first, my first comment is, you both get my vote. Um, I, in all seriousness, what you've been saying um, is the things that I've been hearing on this show from family caregivers themselves and also from individuals who are receiving family caregiving. And I just emphasize the pl- part of the platform that both of you had, which is education and training. And uh, we've heard on this program um, how family caregivers feel alone doing things that, you know, a trained nurse would have to do by way of procedures to support their family member. Um, The question of, well, what do I do when such and so happens? And this is particularly the case with, isn't it, with... um, problems like Alzheimer's disease where the behavior can change um, what you actually do, um, whether it's an emergency, how you respond, all of those things do reflect uh, an information need of the kind that you've you've talked about. And I suppose um, um, Sharon mentioned technology and I think that, and I think also Paul, you were implying that we need to look at more efficient ways of delivering certain kinds of things, and obviously information is one of them. And yeah. then another thing that I've heard is family caregivers. Um, you, you said, both of you, um, that the average stint of family caregiving is about three and a half years. Um, you know, when they've ceased family caregiving, they've got experience which would be valuable to others 
who are just starting or in the middle of family caregiving. So that social networking component, I think, um, has something to offer. And you both hinted at it in your platforms, and that's why I very much hope that people who are in a position to change policy and influence policies um, are listening to this program. Now, uh, we're getting to the close, so I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Please get in touch with us with your comments and questions, which please direct to our, our guests. Um, whether you, if you agree, please tell them, and if you don't agree, uh, please tell them. But above all, please ask them. I want to say thank you very much indeed to Paul Hogan and Sharon Galway, who really, I think, brought home to us the question of the stages and what's done to support those stages and the way in which that could really change health, the way we provide care to people like seniors by keeping them at home and keeping them out of the institutions. Now, our next episode is about healthcare professionals who become family caregivers to members of their own family. Sharon and Paul, thank you very much indeed. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.